Football podcast. You're here with uh, Joseph and my friend Owen. Hello there. We're going to start the show off this week and talk about something a little bit non-related to to football. Um, as everybody's aware, it's um, Black Lives Matter this week, and as you would have seen, um, some of the atrocities relating to George Floyd um, have basically been dominating the media, and rightfully so. Um, so we just wanted to send our sympathies from the All Nations Football Podcast um, and reiterate the way against racism as anybody else, um, not just in football, but in all walks of life. Um, and it kind of brings us into some of the things that we've seen, uh, football-related things we've seen this weekend. Uh, if any of you watch the German football, you may have seen uh, some of the celebrations, uh, particularly that of Jaden Sancho paying tribute to George Floyd, um, and a very fitting tribute as well. He scored a hat trick. Uh, Lacey, did you catch any of those games? The only game I watched in Germany was the Dortmund match. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of goals. Um, but the Dortmund game was definitely entertaining. It was no no a half time um, against Paderman, who actually bought him of the German league. And in the second half, um, Bruce Dortmund just run them wild without Hanland um, as well, who's injured at the moment. And yeah, and Jadon Sancho hasn't really been fully fit for months and months um, before COVID, he wasn't fit. Um, and this was his first start, um, again, for months. Um, and yeah, and he's got a hat trick. And after scoring the first goal, he took off his shirt to show support for George Floyd. <laughs> as, you, as you rightly put out, it was a great uh, tribute to the to the man because Jadon Sancho put in a hell of a display and Dortmund looked unstoppable in the second half and it's a little bit of a shame that because they've obviously lost to Bayern Munich last week that the title is probably done and dusted in Germany but Dortmund are definitely well worth a watch if you get a chance. I think I'll be watching more of the German league in general after this because there's been so many high scoring games you obviously had the, uh, the Gladbach game as well was um uh, 4-1 as well, they beat Union Berlin, um, and there's just yeah. been high scores every week. I think it always averages more goals a week, uh, a week than every other league in Europe anyway, but um, yeah, you're right, Dortmund are amazing to watch. I think everybody everybody knows that if you, if you watch them in the Champions League anyway, but um, oh, yeah, of course. They, have, they have been exceptional. You wouldn't have thought those boys had had two months off uh, by watching them, would you? No, you wouldn't at all, and um, they... Um... They're an absolute, not only are they a joy to watch, I mean, this was um, a Dortmund side without their main their main man up top scoring six goals in the second half. Um, and the way they pass the ball, the way they work the flanks, uh, it's just, they're, they're a brilliant side. It'd be interesting to see, though, what happens. For example, 
I, I said on a previous podcast, I really rate um, Togan Hazard. And it'd be interesting to see how long Dortmund keep their best players. And, I mean, um, there's there's a lot of stories that Jadon Sancho will be moving to the England, English Premier League when when the transfer window reopens. How highly do you rate him? Um, I think he's really good. A lot of people, I've heard he's really good, but maybe haven't really seen much of him. So just, just a quick kind of way to sum him up is he's, he's got really quick feet. Um, he can take a man on, he's got pace, and he can shoot with either foot. And like not only can he shoot with either foot, he can score from 20, 25 yards, and he can score a tap-in. So he's got everything you'd want from that kind of attacking midfield role. So if he was to sign for, a, I think, any club in the world, he would fit in and he would do really well. He's just, yeah, he's just, he, um, he scored with his right foot and his left foot today as well. With his right or his left, he can put into the bottom corner from 20 yards. So, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a massively great prospect. I'll be honest with you, at first when I heard about him coming through, I thought, oh, this is another English player that the English media are going to talk up. But having watched him play, I actually can see, yeah, that he's a real talent. Yeah, I think and he's, he's, got the, uh, he's got the stats to back it up as well. Every time I've watched him, I mean, I, I, think, he's, I think he's better than Sterling, personally, from, from the times I've watched him. I think he's probably got more about him than any, anybody else in the England team, maybe even Harry Kane. I think though what the thing is he's been injured a little bit and he's been he's not been completely consistent and he scored a hat um, today remember against the side bottom of the league uh, sorry Borussia Dortmund were pretty poor against Bayern Munich um, last Monday evening we, we're talking about Jadon Sancho playing really well but there's still a question mark over how he would do in the big games I, I think I think there's still that there's still that question mark over him how he does. When, when he's up against the Bayern Munich or um, in major tournaments for England, when he's up against the Germanys or the Brazils or the France. You, you said a little, you said about him always being linked to coming back to England, obviously. Who do you think needs him the most? Because you, they're all yeah. everything linked with him, aren't they? So who do you think needs yeah. him the most? Um, I would probably, um, I would probably say Man City. Would be would be the best place for them to go, uh, because they've 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 got a few aging stars in that attack. Of Sergio Aguero is not getting any younger, and David Silva is leaving at the end of the season. So I I think I think Man City would be the best place for him if you're assuming that Liverpool aren't losing any of their strike force in the summer. I I just I don't see how he. If if he goes to a club, he's got to be he's got to be starting every week. Otherwise, it's, he shouldn't be leaving. And and I just think Liverpool already have a strong strike force for him to try and break into. I think it's um, I don't know if that would be the correct move for him. Yeah, I don't think I couldn't see him going to Liverpool for the same reason. You won't see you won't see like an Mbappe go there. They I don't I can't see Liverpool shelling out 150 million for him. And I don't, and he wouldn't start. That's the thing. He, he, he wouldn't start for them. Um, I, I couldn't see him going back to Man City, to be honest with you. I would be surprised unless he does a Pogba. You know, but, but then uh, you, you're, you're saying where you, your question was where, where I think he would fit in the best. And I'm saying I think he would fit in the best at Man City. Oh, yeah, I, 
I th- I meant who would need him the most. I, I still do you think, think Man City I, need him as much as a Man United do? That's, I mean, my point was the fact that they've lost David Silva and Sergio Aguero, again, isn't getting any younger. And I'm not sure how good um, uh, Jesus um, is. Um, so that's why I... Yeah, I think Man United could definitely do with him. But I think Man United need to find out the best system for them. I, I don't, in the way Shorska plays with the Man, Manchester United team currently, I don't actually see how he, I, I don't think he'd get the best from him. Um, in the same way, I don't think, like, for example, I don't think Shorska gets the best from Martial at Man United. I think Martial is a very good player. And if he was, say, if Martial, for example, is playing for Dortmund right now, people would be talking him up, saying he should be getting a big move. Um, but I think he's just, He's not used correctly at Man United, and uh, I'd be worried that Chorska wouldn't use Jadon Sancho to the best of his ability, and that's why that's why I'd be a little bit wary of him signing for Man United. But that's more of a, um, a, a worry for him. If if I was a um, well, I kind of am a Man United fan, but I mean, if I was like a big United fan going to games and stuff, I would love to see Jadon Sancho in a Manchester United shirt. Um, but I'd also would personally want Chorska out the door um, and someone coming in who can work out a way for that Manchester United team to play to get the best out of their players. Yeah, I, I can see him fitting in. I'm having to think then, like Chelsea, he would fit in perfectly because he's got Lampard there, great young manager, yeah. bring him on, and their philosophy at the minute, bringing through all the young kids as well. If he went there yeah. and played with Mount, Hudson Abdoi, you know. And Chelsea just come out with the transfer ban as well, so they you know, and splash hundred and fifty mil. I personally, though, I I think Chelsea are too um, are too far down the pecking order. I think even Manchester United would struggle to sign him because I just don't. Um, I don't. I, right now, I wouldn't go from Borussia Dortmund to Chelsea because I think I think that's not. I think in some ways, even though you obviously get a big payday, I think in some ways it's a step down if you compare those. Do you not think Chelsea currently. progressed? Do you not think they've progressed? They've taken five steps backwards over the last two seasons, and they've progressed in the fact they've taken three steps back forward. So I still think there's there's a while until they can start challenging until they challenge for a title. And I think Jadon Sancho should be in a in a side challenging for the title and challenging at the top end of the Champions League. I think Chelsea need four or five players to get to that level and probably same with Man United. Well, it will be interesting to see where he, where he ends up going because he's, he's one of those players that's always talked about. And it's, it's a, it is going to be a matter of time before we see him in the Premier League. But like I said, he's, he's good enough to play for anybody, isn't he? And, and it's just about who's going to be able to afford him. And like you said, is he going to be able to get the right amount of football? Because particularly his age, that's... That's the thing you need to be worrying about the most. And also, before we move away from German football, another player um, who um, has been linked with clubs in England, um, who's also from the British Isles, but not from England, he's from Wales, is Robbie Matonga. And he's in a Schalke team. Matondo. Yeah, Matondo. Matondo. Thank you. Um, I'm not going It's not well, so I'll tell you that. <laughs> nah, um, I think um, anyway, it doesn't matter um, where where his name comes from. But he's been linked with a few clubs recently. Although 
Schalke have been dreadful since the restart. And if anyone's seen him play, they'd be like, why has he been linked with anyone? But he, he is another player who's got a lot of talent and is, is one to keep an eye out for the future. I mean, I saw a news article that linked him with Real Madrid, although I don't see that ever happening. But it's interesting to see um, a, a young Welsh talent being linked with such big clubs. And he's, linked, he's also been linked with Man United. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to keep an eye on that and whether he makes a move to the English um, Premier League in the summer. He, he's another lad who was released by Man City. He was indeed, yeah. But uh, I hope he doesn't go to United anyway. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, let's, let's have a little talk about what's been uh, happening in England. We've had the fixture release um, for what's been proposed for the, I suppose, the restart of the season. Um, those fixtures being Man City and Arsenal and Aston Villa and Sheffield United. Um, I'm really, I'm really sorry to um, stop you there, Joseph. But um, there's something that I feel I need to say before we move on, and that is breaking news. Like we're recording at 9:24 on Sunday evening on the 31st of May. Um, the breaking news on the BBC website is the Championship season in England will resume on the 20th of June. So there, there's 108 more matches still to be played in the English Championship. And um, yeah, and the BBC have just broken the news right now that the that the season will resume on the 20th of June. That's awesome news. I think that's probably because uh, there's been quite a few positive results. Um, or I should say there's been a lot of negative results, but it's been positive yeah. news. That's yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. In terms of uh, testing and how that stuff's gone as well. So um, yeah, that's yeah, that's really good news. And, and so, so just before we end on that part of it is, and the playoff finals, the playoffs will still go ahead as normal uh, with the playoff final due for the 30th of July. Well, there'll be a lot of football over this summer then, because as I was saying before, we uh, had our little news flash. I uh, apologise for that. Oh, that's, that's absolutely fine. It's, it's, a, it's a podcast first. It's a all nations first, breaking news for us about. Um, although by the time you all hear this, you, you would have already known that news anyway. So there we are. It was exciting. It was exciting news. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll excuse you for that one. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, Man City, Arsenal, Villa, Sheffield United. That has been booked in for the, the 17th of June. What, what's your thoughts, Lace? Tasty fixtures? Yeah, no, Arsenal, definitely. Arsenal will change to the Champions League spot, game in hand. Eight points off the pace. Obviously, I mean, Man City trying to bridge the gap. I feel Arsenal chasing this Champions League spot. There's more chance of someone catching Usain Bolt after giving him a ten-yard head start. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't think Arsenal are getting a Champions League spot. But yeah, at the moment there's still time. Um, Aston Villa, as you say, are in a massive relegation battle, but they're still very much able to get out of it. Yeah, Aston Villa actually won their last game before um, we stopped with the pandemic. Well, Villa, yeah, Villa I, actually have a game in hand. And, yeah. uh, you know, if they win that, then, you know, they're, they're above the Watford. Yeah. So, and if they win the game by seven goals or eight goals, they're above Watford. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, and that's definitely going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you, you're saying, sorry, yeah, you were saying Arsenal due to play Villa. Is that what you said? No, sorry. So? You've got Arsenal and Man City 
So okay. obviously Man City being there trying to trying to bridge the gap. Of course, yeah. you know, it's very unlikely that they'll do that. Um, but I think the significance of that game, of course, is if Arsenal pull off a, a victory, yeah. um, it would mean Liverpool would only need to get the uh, the one win then. Um, and of course, that time. game could, of course, be at Goodison Park. Um, the other game going on is Villa and Sheffield United, as I said. Um, Sheffield United chasing the Champions League. Yeah, it's no. An incredible story. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one. And Sheffield United, um, not wanting to talk up Sheffield United too much because um, they do have very good fans um, and they've got a passionate fan base. And like Bramwell Lane is a small ground, but they it's loud. And that that could have been something that could have caught them over the line and you wonder whether it's going to be a huge factor in in them not being able to quite get to that Champions League spot without those fans behind them for the remaining games. That I mean from for me that's one of the more interesting ones because because the title's pretty much won so the the fans being there or not isn't a huge factor in terms of sparing the team on victory. And when you're near the bottom, in some ways, having fans can be worse than not having them because they get nervous. Um, but yeah, with Sheffield United, I think they could be one of the sides that could be affected um, bad, badly by not having fans at matches. I, I'm going to back them because I think their biggest quality is the sort of camaraderie they have within the group and that sort of chemistry because they're, like, they're all about yeah. the unit, they're not about the man. Um, and I don't think that will just go away because they, they don't have the fans there because they've been able to go away in games and get good results when they wouldn't have had their fans as well. And I, I love them. I like watching them. I really, I really, really admire the manager. I've been a couple of times to watch them as a Cardiff City yeah. fan away. Um, so, yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think yeah. I've been to Sheffield twice and I've obviously I've been to Wednesday as well. So Sheffield's yeah. quite a big football in City. The um, reason why... Um, the reason why... I, I'm a little bit wary of being nice about Sheffield United. It is one, I've got some family who uh, are um, Wednesday fans. Um, but two, there's something about Wilder that I don't like. Um, and it's the same reason why, for example, I don't like Neil Warnock. And it's that kind of like old school attitude he has. And that old school, like British English attitude to football kind of winds me up. Um, so, so there's an element of Wilder that I just think he's a bit of a tosser, um, which I know is controversial. But I, I prefer my football to be played. Um, I prefer my football to be pretty, and so people like uh, Neil Warnock, um, Cardiff City, and um, Sheffield United, Chris Wilder. That's not my type of football. I much prefer watching Wolves, for example, than Sheffield United. Um, Saying that though, they are, you're correct, they do deserve a lot of credit and they are well organised. There's elements to Sheffield United that just wind me up a bit. I really admire him. I, I like him because I, I like, for the total reason that you don't like him, is I like him for the fact that he, he comes across as a guy you can see managing a park team on a Saturday. And he's got that sort of quality about him where he could probably do a good job from any team from the Premier League down to a Sunday league team and you could still get them performing, you know, and like there's not many blokes who've got that sort of Yeah. He's just got that thing about him. I I, I really I really admire him. And he's I, I, off to get where he is. 
listen, mate, Sheffield United deserve a lot of credit and it would be interesting to see if they can get over the line. And it will also be interesting if they do get over the line, how Chris Wilder takes them forward. Because whatever happens this season, um, Sheffield United have had a phenomenal season. But, but next season, they'll have to like they have to move forward from that rather than take a step back. So, like, when Leicester won the league, they went from winning the league to finishing mid-table. Sheffield United don't want to be from, don't want to reach the Champions League and then finish the bottom half of the table the following season. So, so I think next season it would be a big thing. Will be if Wilder can take that club forward, he can make if he can make the correct signings in the transfer window, um, because because this season he had a team mainly brought up from the Championship, and he, I mean, I'm not even sure he did buy overly well. For example, he bought Ollie McBurney for a lot of money, and his big his big money signing there, McBurney, isn't necessarily one of his better players. So it'd be. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how we, how they spend in the summer, especially if they've got um, Champions League football to juggle. I think that's what determines how who you can bring in, isn't it? Is where you're going to finish this season. Um, regarding Ollie McBurney, he's obviously a good Championship striker. Yeah, they, I suppose, in the position they were in when they came up, they wouldn't have had Rich Pickens to go yeah. from. Did they? Uh, but something else we wanted to discuss, and something that you touched on, obviously, about not having a, the. You no know, Browns decided for the fixtures. Um, yeah, of course. So they 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 want uh, neutral venues for some of the fixtures that are, are going to be going on. Um, I don't know too in too much detail why that is. I think it's something to do with policing, if I'm yeah. correct, um, and just uh, regarding how they police how people uh, how the teams and the staff and everything will travel and how they're quarantined the area and, and various things. Um, Something we discussed prior to coming on was um, a little bit about when uh, when the games are actually going on, and particularly the one, the Liverpool-Everton game, where the yeah. title might be won. Um, now, there was a discussion around that game might not be played in either Anfield or uh, Goodison Park, which, to my logic, makes no sense, because it, it's within Liverpool, so people won't have to travel or oh, I said people won't have to travel sorry I keep on saying that the teams won't have to travel um, it just seems a lot safer to do it within the city city, city limits yeah um, I, I get that so basically um, obviously currently we've got to keep social distancing within two metres of each other so if Liverpool were to win the title how do you stop Liverpool fans from celebrating on the streets and celebrating with each other? Um, we've seen a lot of scenes over the weekend of large, large gatherings where social distancing hasn't been kept and uh, the police haven't tried to enforce social distancing on these large gatherings. There's been protests in London this weekend, which obviously um, are for the correct reasons, but again, social distancing hasn't been kept. If we do have large gatherings, not even necessarily just for when Liverpool win the title, but if fans fans generally have large gatherings to enjoy watching games together and stuff, what happens if we then yeah, is that is that going to be police? Is it going to be safe? Um what happens if we then do see a large number of coronavirus cases um around football fans? Um and I think that the I think the um the Premier League and the police in England have to 
be really careful, and the government as well, have to be really careful and give very firm, sensible advice to people enjoying the games. Like, for example, I think maybe you say you can watch it with 10 other people. So, so you're given, you give people a little bit of leeway so people can enjoy the matches. But you make it very clear that people cannot gather in large areas um, because, yeah, it could get, it could be a really difficult situation. And you obviously don't want a point where you've got loads of football fans arguing with police as well. Um, so yeah, so I think I think the government can't just sit back and let this happen. I think they've got to give some some clear advice to um, football fans on how they can enjoy the games. I absolutely agree with you there, and I, I, it's one of the main things. Um, I think the, it, it's going to have to come from the police, isn't it? A directive of how they're going to manage that as well, because it's, it's inevitable. Yeah. People are going to want to go out and celebrate, but it's, it probably raises the strongest argument for football not starting again. And I would completely understand it because people will go out and congregate and, yeah. and celebrate. Um, and I've, I use Liverpool as the example. There's going to be people in Leeds who are going to be celebrating yeah. like crazy potentially all over the country. You know, teams in all sorts of different circumstances. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's difficult. It's, it really is difficult. And whether teams then have to go and make preparations so that they can celebrate adequately at another time, is celebrating a title that you won last season in the next season, does it really feel the same? You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a shitty situation, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, it, it's just nice that we know that the football is going to be coming back at least and that we're going to get some proper results. And uh, yeah, there's going to be a definitive answer to the season. Yeah, no, definitely. I just really don't want a situation where, say, say two weeks after Liverpool win the title, you see 300 people in Liverpool die of COVID and, and 30,000 cases, uh, for example. Like, that, that would be absolutely, like, unforgivable for that to happen. So yeah. we, we need to make sure, not me personally, although I, I wish I could, was personally involved so that I could um, slap Boris Johnson into shape. England as a country, as a government, need to do something to make sure that this is done correctly. Like, for example, um, like Tyron Mins um, came out. I don't know if you saw this. He said um, the, the motivations are 100% financially driven uh, rather than integrity of the sport. Clearly, like, everyone knows that we're coming back because the Premier League wants the money and the football clubs want the money. So let's hope that money doesn't result in absolute carnage. I think a very uh, powerful example that was used by, um, it was Didier Deschamps, who is, um, was obviously a world-class footballer when he played back in the day and the, uh, the France World Cup winning manager just yeah. gone. Um, he came out and basically said that all the women's football has been suspended whilst the men's has been put on. Um, and obviously, you know, which one makes the more money, you know, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a very good example to use. Um, and it kind of backs what Tyrone Mings has said, what Troy Deeney has said, what Danny yeah. Rose has said. Um, and I do feel a bit side for those lads, I, I, I must be honest. Um, but there we are. Uh, so we would move on again, at least we know we're going to be having a definitive uh, answer to this season. Uh, there's been no, no proposed start date. For, for next season yet for the Premier League. Um, 
obviously there's been sponsorship deals, contract extensions agreed for like players and uh, staff and, and for clubs as well in terms yeah, of course. sponsorship deals and, and whatnot. Um, we've also had the FA Cup fixtures released. Um, so the quarterfinals will be going on in a, exactly a month's time from now. Uh, those fixtures, uh, of course, you've got Newcastle and Manchester City, Leicester City, Chelsea, uh, Sheffield United and Arsenal, and Norwich and Man City. Um, so there's a couple of tasty games in there. It'll be interesting to uh, yeah, watch the FA Cup in the, in the middle of the summer as well. Then the, the, the so that will be the quarterfinals, as I've said. The semi-finals there proposed for the 11th and the 12th of July, and the final will be played on the 1st of August, which is um, you know still still quite a way off. But you know at least we're going to be getting a definitive answer to the FA Cup season as well. So um, another interesting thing that's going to be happening on the 1st of August is that that is the proposed date for the beginning of the new Scottish football season. Um, this is the best league, yeah, as it is always every week. Scotland, we are not run by evil people, and our government realised that we actually need to put proper measures into place before we allow football to return. So, assuming that proper measures are in place, the idea is that the new season will begin on the 1st of August, as you said. Um, as things currently stand, no fixtures are out, but we expect that to happen within the next couple of weeks. There's still legal issues with Hearts. And, I mean, Hearts are just making an absolute embarrassment of themselves currently. Um, I try and defend it. I try and be neutral um, at this part, but I can't be neutral anymore. What, what I, is going I on I can see Hearts? how much you're straining to be neutral at the moment. What, what is going on with Hearts is a disgrace. So, basically, to sum it up very quickly, is Anne Badge, the owner of Hearts, originally tried to create league reconstruction so that um, Hearts would not get relegated. That didn't go through. Then she tried to, uh, then, we, then prize money was given out, the season was curtailed and Hearts were relegated. She then said, oh no, we're going to try and do league reconstruction again. Um, her new proposal was so much of a shamble that it doesn't even look like they're going to vote on it because um, our new league uh, the new league reconstruction would have meant six teams getting relegated from the championship the following season, where currently only one gets relegated automatically. So clearly, yeah. it didn't make sense for anyone. Um, many people, many chairmen of football clubs across Scotland have spoken out against it being absolutely ridiculous. So, as can stand it. It very much looks, sorry, that um, Hatch will be relegated and they will be playing in the Scottish Championship next season in a normal 10-team league as it currently is. Um, so the idea, the thought is that the Scottish FA are going to be lifting the suspension on teams being allowed to train from the 11th of June. Um, so that would mean that um, teams can start to go back to training. Um, they, I got this information from Hibs today, so this is very up-to-date information. Um, then in phase two, uh, after a few, the idea would be that sports teams can return to full training. Again, months, six, seven weeks after they do in England. Um, so you would hope that this would be properly for out. Then in phase three, we'll see, um, well, once again in Scotland, we'll go through the process. And the hope would be in, in phase three, which will be in July, that 
will will be able to resume resume sport. Um, and in phase four, obviously, the idea would be that more restrictions would be lifted, but we don't have a month. We don't have a, a set month for that. But the idea would be in set in phase four that fans would start to be allowed back into matches. So in phase three, a small proportion of fans would be allowed back in and in phase four, more fans would be allowed back in. Because in England, they're playing the Championship and the Premier League behind closed doors to end the season. Um, at least that's how it stands at the moment. Um, but the thing is, in Scotland, that isn't really feasible to play games behind closed doors for too long because there's just not the financial backing in the game. Um, so, so, so the idea will be that I think the idea, even on the game for the 1st of August, is there will be limited fans in the stadium from the off because the clubs need some kind of income to be able to survive, especially the lower league sides. And because a lot of the lower league sides have terrace stadiums, terracing, and a lot of them actually have stadiums that are quite a lot bigger than their, their average crowds, they may only they may be able to still bring in 30, 000, sorry, 30% of the fans that they would normally have, which would be enough to keep them afloat and mean that they can... Pay, that paid players will be paid and players won't um, lose their livelihoods. So yeah, so that's Scottish football for you right now. Yeah, there's a lot been going on. Uh, it was interesting you said there while they're pushing for the to get the fans obviously back in because they need essentially a lot of the clubs can't subsist without the the money coming in from the from from the gates. Um, interesting to see the Rangers signs Hadji for four million. Yeah, four million. I. Um, so Hadji was on loan previously from Ghent. Um, yeah, and he signed on a... I rate him very highly as well, if anybody's seen him. He's only a youngster. He looks very, very good. Yeah. Um, he. Um, so in Scotland, um, he came in in January, um, on originally on a loan period. And he certainly had some games that really got Scottish football fans, football fans excited. Um, Obviously, Rangers fans excited, but also like the media and people talking him up. So he played against Braga, and he was Rangers' best player on the day. And he, yeah, and the reason why why he was their best player is he get he was getting involved, and he could he was producing bits of magic from nothing. And if he'd not been on the pitch, Rangers wouldn't have qualified um, for the next round of the Europa League. Um, he made that much of a difference. He actually also scored against Hibs, although mostly down to absolutely dreadful defending. Um, but yeah, so so in short, he's kind of um, he like Jaden Sancho. He's one of these kind of school schoolful kind of attacking midfield types. Um, the worry though, the worry is with um, Rangers is he was four million pounds or four and a half million pounds, and it's where that money's coming from. Um, because previous to uh, the pandemic, the finances for Scottish clubs were made public and those finances suggested that Rangers wouldn't be able to survive much more than a week without any income. And they've, they've obviously not had any games. They, they would have had income, but they've not had any matches for two and a half months and they want to until August. So it's interesting where for this four million pounds has come from, and is it going to come from the fact they're going to sell Morales for twenty million, 
And yeah, it's it's very interesting to know where where um, Rangers and managed to pick up four million pounds from. I'd love to see him in the Premier League just because of how controversial he is. He reminds me he's got the Luis Suarez about him, hasn't he? Yeah, and um, I think I think that um, Hadji's made the transfer to Rangers because I think in recent seasons it's been shown that if you do do well in Scottish football, you can get a move to big clubs so um, I mean we're, more, we're mostly talking Celtic here obviously in recent years um, but there's there's a few clubs there's a few um, there's a few players who um, originally played in Scotland who are now playing at a very decent level like obviously Andy Robinson at Liverpool um, and Van Dijk at Liverpool both played in the Scottish Premier League um, and then Armstrong at Southampton and uh, Weinheimer, or, um, I think has now left Southampton, but Weinheimer also came from the league. Kieran Tierney yeah, at Arsenal. Well, yeah, and Kieran Tierney, Tierney at Arsenal. So a bit of a goal for Hadji. He can see that plays have gone and then gone to England and done well. And um, Dembele... Um, Dembele as well has been linked with a move to the English Premier League, having done really yeah. well in Celtic and then in France. Um, so how do you would look at it? And you know, I think if I can be Rangers' best player for two seasons, um, then I can get a big move to either either France or England or Germany. And it'd be the same with same with Morelos. He's done really well at Rangers, and it's getting to the point now where you think. If he wants to further his career, he needs to move to a club in one of the big European leagues. Yeah, his goal record's um, phenomenal, in fairness. Yeah. Right. It'll be interesting to see where he's like if he, when he's playing against uh, stiffer competition every week. It's just nice well, to have a, yeah. a transfer story to talk about because no, of this time of the year, we'd be knee deep in transfer rumours and things going on. And I don't a know couple... if it's going to be a summer without transfers. Yeah. Or, a know, couple of major transfers. A couple of other little transfer or um, stories that came out uh, coming out recently that I thought we should touch on. Egalo, so he looks like he's going to be coming back to Man United until January, as his club Shanghai in um, China might not even be playing again until January. So it it seems like it's a sensible move for everyone. Um, another move, another little story that I saw on Twitter that I don't know if you saw, but it was about Harvey Elliott and that he was linked with Real Madrid before he moved into Liverpool. And Sergio Ramos tried to speak with him to encourage him to move to Real Madrid. And the story went that he said, no, I don't like how he treated Mo Salah. There's no way I'd play, play in the same team as him. Yeah, so, I did. I did see that. Yeah. I'm always a little bit wary when I read things like that because you don't know like how well the source is. But yeah. obviously, I was buzzing to read it. Um, you know, as a Liverpool fan, so yeah, and I, I really rate Harvey Elliott as well. He's, yeah. um, he's really highly rated within Liverpool, and I think if you if you're getting starts in the cup team at Liverpool at the age of sixteen, yeah, of course, he shows you, you know he's he's going to be phenomenal. So yeah, you've got to watch that space, um, and. Igalo, that's an interesting one as well because he actually done really well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's done. He's done better than expected, really. I mean, the idea would be that Shanghai apparently would want twenty million if it was to be permanent after January, and I don't think Man United will, will sign him on a permanent basis. But I think I think it's a good bit of business to keep him till January. 
because yeah, you know he can score goals. He's certainly not um, a Jadon Sancho, um, but but he's definitely not a Jadon Sancho. <laughs> no, I know, I know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he'll score, he'll score goals, and yeah, and he'll be good. Um, but yeah, that's we've covered quite a lot there. What do you reckon, Joseph? I think that there's there's a lot of interesting things coming out of football at the moment, and we've just got to hope that the return of English football goes well, really, haven't we? Yeah, we we're thinking of topics to try and discuss this week and have a little bit of debate. But there was so much uh, new new news to cover from this week, um, and obviously preparing for what is going to be the return of football. So it's nice, it's positive news in a lot of ways. It's still a lot of controversy around the, the subject of it coming back. Um, and I'm sure we'll still be having these interesting conversations in the coming weeks. And I hope you enjoyed our different views on Chris Wilder. He's a legend. He's a legend. Um, so just before we do leave, um, if you've got a topic of debate that you would like us to discuss, please get in contact with us on any of our social media channels. And that may be the topic of debate next week. What do you think? Yeah, Arthur? and any of the things we discussed this week, Arsenal fans, can you still fight for the Champions League? Man United fans, is Agarlo a good fit? Are you happy that he's staying until January? Where do you think Jaden oh, Sancho is best fitted? Let us know. And thanks Cheers. for listening. And goodbye for now. Right, Harry, did you see that ludicrous display last night? The Champions League is in. And he tee up someone in red. And he goes to look. It's a trap! Ah!